0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swice Watson. Hey, hey, hey. And welcome into another edition of the Primetime Podcast. And if you're on YouTube, hello, it is great to see your wonderful faces again today. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes or Stitcher, thank you guys for giving us the download and the listen today as Brandon, it is now part dose of our ACC preview. We looked at the Atlantic Conference last week. Right now, we're actually recording these two back to back because as you guys are watching or listening to these, me and Brandon are not here in Chicago we're in sunny, well I hope it's I hope it's sunny.
0: I hope it's sunny, hope
1: it's sunny. sunny Anaheim for VidCon as we're going to hopefully be learning a lot to help the channel and make this product better for you guys. But we're, So you're watching this, but we're recording this in the past, so kind of a little time loop situation <laughs> going on between us, but we are going to be previewing the ACC, the other division, the coastal division today, and we are looking at, Brandon, we're just going to get right into it. We're going to look at the Duke Blue Devils to start. And the these teams that are near the bottom are kind of hard because it's like, well, where do you start? Do you, do you focus here? Do you focus there? What I want to ask you to start this is Duke's at the bottom. They are at the lowest you could go in the division. Is there any, like, do you see this team improving this season, not being in the cellar and maybe getting back to where they were not even a few years ago? When it was like, wow, Duke is not a bad football team. Maybe it's not only a football a basketball school.
0: Well, Ricky, I think that after last year, you know, you only win one conference game. You go four mm-hmm. and eight. Uh, ye, there's really nowhere to go but up on that one. And and the reason I say that is because it, you take a look at what Duke did last season and some of the games that they they could not hold teams down. Mm-hmm. They could not do it. They in some, in one of their some of their wins and even in their losses. You know you give up twenty four points in a loss. Twenty four points in a loss. You beat Notre Dame and you still give up we'll thirty five.
1: Beat Notre Dame and you still even give up thirty
0: five points.
1: Even NC State beat them in a tsunami. Uh, that's very true. <laughs> uh, you
0: give up twenty four points, thirty eight points, mm-hmm. twenty four points, fifty six and forty. To end the season back-to-back and even in a win, go 27 points to North Carolina. So the big problem to me for Duke is the defense and and not being able to stop anybody. That's the big thing. If you can get that defense corralled and get some stops, get some more sacks, uh, being able to really rush the quarterback and put pressure on opposing quarterbacks, I, I think that you can have a little bit more success. And if Duke's able to have a little bit more success and even bring down their average points per game given mm-hmm. up by, you know, five points, you know, that would be very nice. It's an improvement. But also for Duke, too, on on the offensive side of the football, I think that... Uh, they know that they need to get better, and we saw last year Thomas Sirk was their starting quarterback to start mm-hmm. the season, got injured early on, so they go to Daniel Jones, Jones ends up having a formidable season with them, he'll be back this year, and now he'll be able to get some stuff underneath, um, he, he already has some some experience underneath his belt now, but he'll be back to go at it again. And three of their top receivers are back, so that's a great thing. There's some really high uh, positive things for Duke when you take a look at it. And, you you know, Duke right now, they are not, you kind of hit it right when you started off, is when you talk basketball, Duke is someone you're always talking about. If Mm -hmm. you're not, there's something wrong. But with football, Duke is not the team that you talk about when you're talking about really good college football teams. It's going to take a little bit for Duke to get back there. But I think that with some improvement on the defensive side, with more consistent offensive production, they can be on their way to being a team that people will talk about.
1: Well, and that's just it. I mean, since the 2013 season... Twenty thirteen was that year where Duke ten and four season actually cracked the top twenty five. We're like, holy shit, we got a football team here, boys. We got a football team here in Durham. Then they go nine and four, eight and five. So when you see a four and eight, one and seven season like it was in twenty sixteen, you kind of sit there and go, Huh? What happened? And I mean a lot of a lot of teams that are near the bottom. The one thing we've talked about enough when it came to the Atlantic division for the lower teams are injuries. There were injuries last year that happened, a lot of them, and they need to overcome that. But the one thing that I wanted to focus on that you mentioned, the defense, and there's some good and bad when it comes to the defense. The good is that they're returning their top two tacklers from last year and Ben Humphreys and Joe Giles-Harris. They're both coming back. They combined for 213 tackles and 20.5 tackles for loss. However, the bad news, Duke's got questions at everywhere but linebacker. Mm-hmm. They've got questions in the front, the front four, questions in the secondary. So the defense is really just the linebackers and then questions all the way around. And for Duke, I think the big thing is just it's Coach Cutliff basically saying, Let's get back to what we do. Let's get back to what I have established as Duke football. And, I mean, the thing that we've asked about many of the coaches down here is it's been, oh, well, could this next season be the make-or-break season for them? Could they be on the hot seat? I don't think that happens to live. I mean, this is a season that after his first three, this is one where it's like, okay, everybody gets one. Let's just bounce back this Next season, And I think Duke, I mean, looking at their schedule, they've got some big games out of conference. I I look at September 9th against Northwestern. I look at the 16th against Baylor, a uh, coach rule Baylor team that is expecting to turn things around for their programs. Those are tough games. They're not like upper echelon. It's not like Florida State going up against Alabama, but those are two opponents where if I'm Duke, I'm going, okay, I got to bring my A game. I got to bring my A game for those out of conferences. And then when you look in conference, the only team, the star team that they got to play from the other division is Florida state. They get them at home, but you got to play everyone else. You got to play Miami. You got to play UNC on the road. And then you got to play Virginia tech on the road. That's the big two, the two teams that were the top of the division. You have them on the road this year.
0: But I, I, you have to give Duke a lot of credit here, Ricky. It's the fact that, they're, they're at home, yes, I understand that, but mm-hmm. those two games that are out of conference with Northwestern and Baylor, Baylor program that was in disarray for a little bit. They're trying to get it back.
1: Questionable morals. Uh, yes,
0: very uh, to questionable say morals. the least. Mm-hmm. Um, Northwestern formidable program as well, and I think you go back-to-back on those, but then you're on the road in North Carolina, back home against Miami. You have NC Central to start it off. Okay, you're eating your cupcake real quick to start. But then you have four. (laughs) You have four games where you have got to be on your A game Mm -hmm. if you want to win. So I give them a lot of credit. You know, they could have done, okay, Northwestern here. We'll have Baylor later in the season. You know, they they could have tried to do that. They did not. No. They did not. And I give them a lot of credit for that. And another point that I want to bring up Mm -hmm. about what I think is Probably going to be one of the most important things for Duke this year. It's scoring more points. Uh, they gave up a lot last year because, uh, again, you, you we both talked about it. There was no good part of the defense last season. Um, but it's scoring more points. From 2012 to 2015, their offense scored, on average, 30 points a game. Last year, it was 23.3. They took seven, a seven-point step backwards. Mm-hmm. That's dramatic. I think if they can get to even 25, 27 points a game, they'd be happy. But again, you know, sometimes it's baby steps, but they need to be able to score more. And that's going to fall on Jones. I mean, that's going to fall on Jones as the quarterback. And TJ Romain as the wide receiver, the top wide receiver that they return, who had 70 receptions last season, he only had one touchdown catch. He's gotta get in the end zone a whole lot more. And again, I put that on Jones too.
1: Well, and that's a big thing. The offense, obviously, and I know you guys are gonna say the Captain Obvious again, but like Brandon said, you gotta score more points. That's how you win the game. Boom! That's how you win it. Boom, John Madden. But the thing I look at, I focus on this defense. I can't get my mind off the defense and can they answer those questions at the secondary, at the front four, and can they use their linebacking core to kind of carry that and kind of mask some of the question marks that they do have at defense because I look at the teams that they're playing. Miami can put up points. North Carolina, yeah, they're going to have a new quarterback this year. We'll get to them later in this podcast, but they can put up points. You look at Florida State, DeAndre Francois, you thought Lamar Action Jackson was bad last year. DeAndre Francois can put up some points. So, I mean, and also with Pitt, Pitt had, what, 56 points? Against Duke last year, I think that yes, scoring more points is good. However, on the other hand, you also need to you need to stop the opponent from scoring. You got to score more points than the opposition. Boom! That's what John Madden would have liked to say.
0: Now I understand that we're talking about two completely different conferences mm-hmm. here, but take a look at the Big Twelve, and we'll yeah. talk about the Big Twelve in the next coming weeks. But it's it's about the fact that they don't have really a whole lot, of de- they, they don't focus on that, or at least mm-hmm. they don't seem to. They still have defensive coordinators mm-hmm. on the staff, but I'm not sure why. Um,
1: the, but they <laughs> just focus offense. They all have, offense it's, all the time. It,
0: but that's. That's kind of what they do is how Mm -hmm. defense for the Big Ten keeps you in games. Offense for the Big 12 keeps you in games. And I completely understand where you're talking defense because I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. You can't be giving up 56 points a game and then 42 the next game. But if Duke could be scoring more points, they could win some of those games Mm -hmm. in an offensive shootout, but they can't do that if they cannot score. And they cannot score consistently. So that's one of the things where you look at the Big 12 – they're able to win games like that, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State teams like that—they'll win games by just scoring again and again and again. Every drive down, they score, and then it's up to the the other team. You got to go down. You got to score. Doesn't matter about it. defense. You yeah. just got to score. So that's comp- kind of different. But I—the uh, the point is—that's that, what is you that, think
1: that they th- should do. That Duke should be doing. The, Duke needs to be scoring
0: more points, mm-hmm. and that's going to help keep them in games. Defense, yes, huge. But even if you're going to still struggle a little bit on defense, you've got to be able to then score to help kind
1: mm-hmm. of
0: offset the bad defense. But I talked about it at the beginning was that they couldn't get to the quarterback last season. They gave up so many yards per pass play, almost nine yards per pass play. That was the most since 2012. That is too much. And they that, that, that tells me quarterback's sitting back there plenty of time, going through reads, Option one, option two, option three, back to option one. That's too long, too long. They need to be getting to the quarterback earlier.
1: Well, and Brandon, this is where I'm going to flip it on to them watching and listening. Guys, let us know down below, what do you guys think for Duke? What's going to be the big thing offensive, defensively as a team? What do you guys need to do to improve this year, maybe to get back to where you guys were just not even two years ago, two, three, four years ago when you guys were – Kind of a surprise and was like, wow, okay, Duke's got a football team here to be competitive in the ACC. Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, we're going to move on to our next team, our next kind of uh bottom dweller here in the Coastal Division of the ACC. We're looking at the Virginia Cavaliers. Had a great game last year, almost beat Louisville before... Lamar Action Jackson came to town and said, no, 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 I'm getting my fourth touchdown and we're going to win this game and walk out of here. The thing with Virginia I want to touch on first comes down to just their whole kind of a culture. Is this the year that I know that you mentioned before we started recording that, you know, this Virginia Cavaliers team is currently riding a seven-game losing streak dating back to last season? Is this the year that... This Virginia Cavaliers team can kind of turn it around to kind of okay. We laid down the foundation last year of this culture. Now we're starting to win a couple more games and seeing a little bit more success on the field than we did in 2016.
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. I hope that um, laying the foundation and, and saying that this is this is where we're going at two and ten. Hopefully, that's not it um, because. They need to be doing much more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two and ten is just—it's it, no good. It's no good at all. Um, the odd thing is, the interesting thing is, is the fact that you take a look at you know their their team. They, Kurt Branker, throws for over twenty five hundred yards. He has twenty one touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Taquan Mizell, nine hundred forty yards, five touchdowns. Reed has almost five hundred yards, six touchdowns, and this team still only won two games. So there was offense there. Mm-hmm. They were averaging, I think, about two hundred and forty yards per game. Well, uh, you know, of of, of, of excuse me, of, of offense per game, I think, or at least through the air. Um, and well, they were last in rushing in the ACC. Dead last Two hundred and forty passing games, two hundred and forty passing yards per mm-hmm. game, which isn't wonderful, but it's not the worst. And you would think that, you know, they would have at least won four games. They mm-hmm. only won two. And now this team is, is a team that they're losing both of those running backs that I talked about. They still have uh, bank, uh, Banker at quarterback and... I I think that there's some things to get excited about, but now they've got to find a new running game.
1: Well, they also need to, a lot of things that we talked about last week when it came to the bottom teams in the Atlantic division, what was the one kind of unit on the offense we kept talking about, hey, you don't have a good one of these, you're not going to be successful. It was the offensive line. And I mean, last year, this offensive line couldn't create any holes for the run game. The pass protection was kind of better, I guess. It was all right, but if you're not able to block both for your quarterback or your running backs, you're not going to be able to do anything no matter what kind of players you have behind it. So on offense, that's where it starts for me, kind of solidifying that offensive line game and getting that more structured. Because, I mean, we even talked about with Wake Forest, like – If you don't have a great offensive line, you're giving up a ton of sacks. It don't matter what Ben Kurt does. If he's on his back or he's injured, he can't help you, and you're not going to win games. So, I mean, I look at that and I go, you know, the offensive line is kind of what I look at most. But, of course, from the running back side of things, they need someone to step up and fill the holes that they have. This Virginia team, though, also, I mean, schedule-wise – they start off with their four non-conference games. I mean, maybe they win two of them, maybe. I think William & Mary for sure, and then Indiana, UConn, and Boise flip a coin. But, I mean, the good thing about their schedule in the um, ACC is the two teams that they got to play from the Atlantic, Louisville, which, good. We we knew we were going to probably get one of the good ones. But then Boston College. Boston College might be able to be a manageable opponent, More so than if it's like, great, we drew Florida State and Louisville. Like, at least you didn't draw two of the power dogs from the Atlantic. You got one in Louisville that you got to play on the road, but then you got a manageable one in Boston College that if you can see some some success and some kind of improvement by October 21st, you might be able to win that game.
0: I think that if you take a look at the defense and what they've got, you've got to be surprised that they weren't better last season. Mm-hmm. And now that they have a lot of those guys returning, you've got to be thinking that the secondary is going to get better, going to be able to stop a few more people. You've got to be thinking that, okay, you know, we're going to have a couple more anchors um, in the linebacking at the linebacking position, and which I think they will. The – the thing is, is that how consistent will they be able to be? You mm-hmm. know, will they will they bring consistency right away? Or are we still going to be seeing, you know, some shades of that seven-game losing streak to end the season where they could not stop anybody? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I think, a really big... Uh, Part Right now, and that's the big question. You've got some really 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 good guys right now um, You've got uh, linebacker Micah Kaiser and then safety Quinn Blanding and those two guys are the anchors for this defense and they're the leaders and and they've got to be able to be strong, vocal leaders, and get these guys to buy in and to really, really work hard throughout the season to get better. I mean, that's you know, that's that's part of it too, I, I think. And it's it's being mentally there, mentally tough, not getting burnt on you know routes where you sh- you should have done this, you did that. It's it's a lot of that kind of stuff, I mm-hmm. think. And and it's stuff that last year. Virginia just flat out didn't do and didn't do well. And this year, I think they know know that they realize that they they've got last year in their in their mind. They don't want to look like that again. They don't want to be that embarrassed again in those games that they played. They played one good game on defense, and that was against Duke, where they had five interceptions. Outside of that, they maybe had five interceptions. You know, the entire rest of the season. It's it was a team that was really really down there in the cellar. But I think um with that year under their belt and having that in the back of their mind you don't want to do that again oh, we got something we got an example well, of something you I mean, don't want to do again there's just, a reason there's a reason to be motivated to be better how can you well, be how I can mean, you be worse than what they were last year especially when they have the talented guys that they do on defense
1: just because you don't want to be that again doesn't mean it's going to happen and i mean I look at the schedule and the talent that they play up against. I don't see a lot of wins. Like I said, William and Mary, maybe one other one if they like squeak out a a game here or there. I think Duke and Virginia are on two different courses. Duke is a team that can look at it and say, hey, you know what? We know what we were in 2015. We know we can get back to that. Virginia doesn't have that. I mean, they tried to lay down a culture last year, and you could say, yeah, they laid down the culture, but it also looked like their head coach was a little bit in over his head as well. And I look at this, and I think the talent that they play in the ACC, unless they get an upset victory here or there, I think, Don't see an ACC win on their schedule. I could be wrong. I'm usually wrong about things, but I just, I look at the schedule and I go, I don't see a win. You're playing North Carolina on the road. That's going to be tough. Pitt on the road, Louisville on the road, Miami on the road, Virginia Tech, you're probably not going to beat. Boston College, you might be able to, but that defense is tough. And if you don't have an offensive line, that Boston College defense will eat you alive for breakfast, lunch, and dinner before spitting you out. And, I mean, I look at the rest of the, non, or the non-conference the non schedule, and like I said, William and Mary is the only, win, the only game where I go, there, I'll give you that one. Otherwise, I think that the Cavaliers might be in for another one, two-win season. I don't think it's going to be a positive season for the Cavaliers.
0: Well, let me tell you this. You have to go back to 2011 to find a season when the Cavaliers had over five wins mm-hmm. and— that's when they had eight wins. They went to a bowl game. It was the Chick-fil-A Bowl against Auburn. They lost 43-24. And I'm not saying that Virginia is going to come out and they're going to be this fabulous team. You're just stellar. Being more optimistic I, I, than I am. I'm just trying to say, you sucked ass last season. How can you be worse? You gotta, you've got to be better. You have got to be better. And I, I guess I take a look. You're going to beat William and Mary. That's just kind of how I see it. You know, maybe you don't, but you, you're going to. Mm-hmm. And you win that game. Indiana? I see Indiana as a decent team. Uh could you win that game? Yeah, you could be a sleeper in it. Uh Yukon, you could win that game against Yukon. Boise State, no idea about Boise State. Maybe you could, maybe you couldn't. Duke, maybe. Maybe you could win that one. North Carolina, probably not. Boston College, maybe. Pitt, probably not. Georgia Tech, probably not. Louisville, no. Miami, no. Virginia Tech, no. So that would put me at, put them at, I wouldn't be playing for them, but uh, one, two, three, four, maybe five. And it's in their first five games.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the big thing that worries me is I'm looking at the Athlon Sports preview, and they even say in their kind of final analysis that Coach Mendenhall admitted he underestimated the scope of the rebuilding process. Like this team, this team is not close to being a winner. This team is going to be a rebuilding process. And the thing that you have to do if you're Mendenhall is you have to create the culture of you need to instill the the order, the accountability, the do the right thing, just to use the cliche there, and you have to build your culture to attract recruits and then the wins will come because the thing i look at is from his time with BYU the worst season he had at BYU 6 and 6 in 2005 that was it 11 and 2 11 and 2 10 and 3 11 and 2 7 and 6 then they go over to be an independent and it's 10 and 3 8 and 5 8 and 5 8 and 5 9 and 4 he had never seen a 2 and 10 season. That's why coming in last year was kind of funny when he playfully like was joking with fans and was like, "You know what? Don't don't buy the bowl tickets yet. Don't worry, coach. We're not. We're not buying the bowl tickets. I ain't even going to put the bowl tickets on on order for 2 years from now without this Virginia team has been looking. So, I think last year was a little bit of a Whoa! Okay, didn't know this was the situation I was fully getting into. Thought that it'd be at least a four, or five win team, and he's got it. The rebuild now has to has to start. Now you know what you're cooking with.
0: But here's but here's here's the thing though: is that it could have and probably mm-hmm. should have been a four or five win team. That's the thing. Okay, is that I mean. Come on, look at it. You, you know, they they've got some of the pieces on defense. I mean, they were about as shocked I but think as other people
1: but, were. But they're not getting it to
0: Well, duh. To click. They only had two wins. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I could see them being able to win mm-hmm. four games this season because they're returning those same people. Are you not getting it?
1: I I look at it and I go, I don't care who they're returning. I look at the schedule and I think that The talent that they are playing outweighs the talent that they return. And I think that the only way this Cavalier team is going to get to that level is on the simplest level, bring in better talent from recruiting. However, it's a double-edged sword because, Brandon, as we say every time in recruiting, how do you bring in better recruits? You got to do what?
0: You have to bring them strippers. I mean, you have to... (laughs)
1: Uh, gotta win games yes that's it gotta I, get the I was W's. Confused. no we're not louisville we're not louisville's basketball program here but yeah they gotta win games and it's kind of a double-edged sword but this year i i'm gonna be painfully honest i wouldn't be surprised if they went two and ten again and we're just blatant like just bad this year and by bad i mean record wise i wouldn't be surprised if it was like yeah we played well man our record doesn't show it but we played well any last thoughts before we move on into our next team up the totem pole, which is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets? I think we talked that. Okay. Death. Virginia fans, let us know down below what you guys think. Maybe you guys are more optimistic than I am about your team. Let me know down below in the comment section. And Brandon, we are going to chug right along in the Atlantic Division talking about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Almost said Bulldogs, and that would have got Georgia Tech fans all over me as they are huge rivals, obviously, in the state of Georgia. But the Yellow Jackets this year, I'm going to ask you a plain and simple question. They finished 9-4. and four. The something had to have clicked midway through last season. They're returning, what, eight starters on defense, nine starters on offense. Is this the year that Georgia Tech continues that momentum that they had at the end of last year and kind of makes that jump to compete with the Tar Heels, who might take a step back. We don't know. They don't have the Trubisket anymore. And can Georgia Tech compete with the Tar Heels and the Hokies for the top of the division?
0: You know, Ricky, I think they can. And the reason I say that is because they return three starters on the offensive mm-hmm. line. And for them, for this team... You know, for every team, it's very important, but for this team, because of the style that they go with, because of the option, and how important running is to this team, having a strong offensive line is a very, very key thing for them. And that is big. So returning three starters on the offensive line is huge. Four of their five running backs from last year are returning, and that's another big piece. And then when you look at last year, they had 200, averaged 258 yards of offense on the ground and had 5.5 yards per carry and 34 scores. Mm-hmm. This team was very effective doing what they do best, and that is running the football. I think that they really do have a chance. At nine and four last season, nine and four, that's a good record. A lot of teams would love to be 9-4, and four, but they just need to play a little bit better against some of those big teams in the conference. And mm-hmm. when I talk about that, we're talking Virginia Tech. We're talking North Carolina. Pitt, they lost to Pitt last season. Those are the teams that they really need to get up for and be able to really effectively play well against.
1: You might know the best thing about all three of those games this year if you're a Georgia Tech fan. They are at home. They're all at home. They're all at home. They're all in your backyard. The only big opponent that you have to play on the well, on the road, I'm going to use in quotes, is Clemson. That's the only road game that's really your toughest. I mean, Miami's in there too. Okay, Miami and Clemson, I'll say. But I use air quotes because technically your first game of the season is a road game, but it's a road game for both teams. That's why it's called a neutral site game. They're being bold. They're starting Monday night, September 4th. Let's go play Tennessee. Let's play Tennessee in a neutral site game to start the season.
0: And they're hoping that Tennessee doesn't have the magic they did Mm -hmm. last year to get those wins at the beginning of the year. Well,
1: you know, they don't have Joshua Dobbs anymore. I mean, we're going to get to the SEC in a later podcast, but they don't have Joshua Dobbs, so they're going to be going through questions. Butch Jones is a guy who's always in when we did our Hot Seats segment and also when I talked about Kevin Sumlin. There's always commenters from Tennessee that go, "Uh, what about Butch? What about Butch from Tennessee? Shouldn't he be on the hot seat?" Like each and every year, it's you put Butch Jones on the hot seat because that's just what you do, and that's (laughs) that's bold for Georgia Tech to start with Tennessee, start with that SEC opponent right out of the gate. But like you said, you got to beat Pitt, you got to beat North Carolina, you got to beat Virginia Tech. I think that Miami though, that's going to be the Big game for them because not only is it on the road, Miami this year, and we're going to get to them later in this podcast, they're the ones that I am going to keep my closest eye on in this division because last year we expected big things, especially with Mark Rick coming over from Georgia. He's a coach that is familiar with the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, but also this Miami team, a lot of people are kind of expecting them to also turn the corner and turn the page and be a tough, reputable opponent to maybe go and win this division this year. Or maybe that's me kind of speaking too high of them. But Georgia Tech, the big thing for them, question-wise, that I look at, obviously I'm an offensive guy first and foremost, and I'm a quarterback guy. That's the position I focus on as the quarterback
0: because Ricky played quarterback and back because in his I've day. I
1: always wanted to play quarterback. Like if that if I could play football, that would be the position that I would want to play and that was my favorite position to play whenever we played back in the schoolyard back in the day. But really they've got two choices in uh Georgia Tech land. They've got either junior Matthew Jordan who handled most of the short-yarded situation last year or they have another guy in junior Taekwon Marshall who, yeah, he might be more of a dynamic playmaker at the position, but he started his career at A back because of his speed. So really it's what do you want to go with? A guy who you handled last year in short yarded situation or a guy who is more dynamic playmaking to be your quarterback this year. That's the decision that they're going to have to make. Who's going to be the guy to be the number one guy at the quarterback position?
0: I always like a dynamic playmaker.
1: So you would go with Taquan Marshall. I is like that what you're that. saying.
0: I like I like a guy who is a dynamic playmaker. A guy can who can bring the big plays in the big moments mm-hmm. in the spots that you need them. And uh, that's where I would go. That's what I would be leaning towards. If, I, if I'm them.
1: I just, the thing that I'm unsure about, maybe because it's a triple option, it doesn't matter, but I look at him being, yeah, he was in that career as the running back, the A-back, because of his speed. I look at that and I go, what if you do need to pass the ball? Is he going to be the guy that's you're going to be confident doing that, or do you want it to be Matthew Jordan who you know has been there in the position has played the position and isn't a running back moving back over to quarterback so that's something where obviously you can mix and match all these because obviously like you said running the ball is their main priority with this offense how about the defense how does that shape up for the Yellow Jackets this season. Well, the
0: defense for them is one thing that they've definitely got to have to get better at is it being able to make stops on third downs. Mm-hmm. And for them, that's such a huge thing uh, when they want to try and stay on the field offensively as much as they can. Defense, you want to come out there, get the other team off the field as quickly as possible, and be able to make those stops. And and in 2015, uh, they allowed. Uh, teams to convert just 36% of the uh-huh. time on third down, and last year it was much higher at almost 50%, and they need to do much better, a much better job of that, and if they can do that, and that means that their defense is keeping opposing offenses uh, from scoring and limiting their scoring and keeping them off the field, uh-huh. and their offense is on the field, and, and just car- carving them up on the ground, and just eating that clock that's what they live by is being able to eat up that time that's their game plan and if they can't do that they will not succeed i I think that the defense if they can do that be a little bit better on third down and get back to where they were a couple of years ago in 2015 with that percentage, or even around 40%, uh, would be a lot better than what they were last year. And I think being able to keep the ball in the hands of that offense Mm -hmm. is extremely important, especially for a team like Georgia Tech.
1: And the thing that I do like is I like their schedule this year. And I mentioned before Tennessee being the number 1 team, kind of that confident, like, hey, we're going to go out and try to punch you in the jaw right away, get a big win. But right after that, they get the 2 Cupcake games, Jacksonville State, who some people might say, hey, don't sleep on Jacksonville State. They almost beat Auburn a a year or two ago. Almost upset the Tigers. Don't sleep. on. I want to say it's the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. I think that's what they're called. The Gamecocks is their uh, mascot. But they also go to Central Florida, which I I don't really think that's going to be a tough game for them. And it is the Jackson State Gamecocks. I had to correct myself on that one, but I know – my mascot knowledge up here, but I like how all of their games are pretty much spread out. Clemson on October 28th, Virginia Tech two weeks after that, you get that Virginia cupcake game in the middle. To me, the only rough stretch that they have is September 23rd to October 12th, where you get Pitt on Saturday. Then a week later you get North Carolina, but both of those are at home. However, you look at that next one, And you get the October 12th, the Thursday game, you're going up and you are playing. So you get basically a week and a half before you play them, you're going to Miami. So you get the week to week, but then that week and a half, because that next game is on the Thursday following the week and then the next Thursday, you get to play Miami. So you get that week and a half before you play a tough opponent.
0: I want to ask this question really quick, Ricky, and it really doesn't have a dang thing to do with Georgia Tech. Okay. It has more to do with the team that we mentioned last week. Okay. Are we just absolutely just not even in our peripherals seeing Clemson?
1: I think I me mean, are, I think are, are, and are we, you are have, just I mean low have on we him.
0: have we done a bad job? are we completely writing them off no. when we should not be No. because I know that in in a lot of these previews we have talked where oh you know this is going to be the stretch it's going to be North I, Carolina it's going to be Miami it's going to be no team and and Clemson's on here and it's on the road at Clemson and that could be a big game a year ago two years ago that would have been a big game but, and but it are is. we are we it doing a big game. and I was just going to say but yeah. are we doing a a, a, well, a poor job by no, saying I, or by not Bring more attention to this game because of the new Clemson that we might be seeing.
1: Maybe we can bring a little bit more attention to it, but how I am looking at it, if you are Florida State and you are Louisville, then I disregard Clemson automatically because I think those two teams are better. But with Georgia Tech, I still think Clemson's a tough game because you still have to go into Clemson and win. Like I was saying, Clemson and Virginia, those are two tough games, but the good thing about it is you got that buffer in between that cupcake game in between them in the Virginia Cavaliers, a team that we had just talked about. That rough schedule, though, between Pitt to Miami, those are the ones where it's back-to-back-to-back, where it's one, two, three tough opponents. That's why I was focusing more on that. That Clemson game is still, though, a big game because you are going into Clemson. That's the big thing. If it was at home, I might give Georgia Tech – benefit of the doubt and maybe then downplay the Tigers but no you got to go into Clemson that's going to be a big one Virginia Tech's going to be a big one I think that the Yellow Jacket season comes down to those five games Pitt, North Carolina Miami, Clemson Virginia Tech, you have a favorable record in those five, you'll have a favorable record overall and then it'll just come down to did you beat Tennessee, did you beat Georgia and that's going to be their season in a nutshell
0: yeah, they're another one of those teams that have their season bookended by two SEC teams with Tennessee. How
1: do you think they're going to the fare? Again, you're the, the SEC guy. How do you think that they're going to fare against the two bookends of the SEC?
0: Tennessee, I I think that they'll beat Tennessee. Actually, um, Georgia, that's an interesting one and, and a tough one because I think Georgia, um, their quarterback. Um, Jacob Eason, I think that he's making some strides this year. Georgia Tech beat him last year, and it's a little bit of revenge game. They did. I I see Georgia making some good strides this this next season and uh, being better than what they were last year. So uh, I would say Georgia is a team to watch out for in the SEC. So it, it could be a pretty darn good game and a tight one.
1: Well, and any last thought? I have nothing left to say about the Yellow Jackets. Like I said comes down to those five games for me, Pitt, North Carolina, Clemson, Virginia Tech, and then the last one I'm missing is Miami. Those are the five games that it comes down yes, to. Yes,
0: it comes down to the five any, good teams they'll play this season.
1: <laughs> any final thoughts on Georgia Tech before we move on in our, Atlanta, or our coastal preview? No. Well, no, I think we got it. This is where we turn it on to you guys. Let us know down below. What do you guys think? Let us know in the comment section. What do you think? about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. But, Brandon, we are going to move on into our next team here on the previews, and that's going to be the Pittsburgh Panthers. And this is a team coming into this year, had a good season last year, 8-5 and five season. I know they lost their bowl game against Northwestern in the Pinstripe Bowl, but this team did what they did. But you look at their losses, and you can't be mad at them. Northwestern, good team, like I said, in the Pinstripe Bowl. They lose to all three teams ahead of them in the Coastal last year, Virginia Tech, UNC, and Miami. But the only other loss they had was Oklahoma State, and they beat number 2 Clemson on a last-second field goal to win 43-2. This is a team with a lot of promise. 43 to, 43 to 42 I knew it was that one point, and I knew it was in the 40s. Thank you for catching me. 43-42. But this is a team with a new face, a familiar face, For the primetime podcast, because we kind of asked, was last year's Alabama game with USC, his coming out party, but is this season, we were one year off, this season could be Max Brown's coming out party, how do you see the former Trojan fitting in with the Panthers this year? Well, before I
0: get to that question, I want to... kind of dissect a little bit of Mm -hmm. what you talked about in their schedule last year. Yes, they lost to the three teams that were above them, but they lose to North Carolina on the road by just one point, 37 to 36. You lose against a good Virginia Tech team at home by just three points. And then, you know, Miami, you get spanked 51-28. But that was in Miami. But then even the game on the road at Oklahoma Mm -hmm. State, you lose by a touchdown Forty-five to thirty-eight. So this team, this pit team, was not far off. They were not far off at all. And I, I think that what we can all say about those games, they gave up a whole lot of points. And defense was their struggle last season. Mm-hmm. But now getting to the other piece is Peterman, their quarterback, Nathan Peterman. He's gone. Yep. After a great season, almost three thousand yards, twenty-eight fifty-five to be exact, twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Through the air, and then he added three more on the ground combined for 30 total. But now they're going to be looking to have another guy go in there and replace him. And I think if Max Brown does anything less than what Peterman does, it's going to be a disappointment. It certainly will be for fans who are used to such a good quarterback that they had last Mm -hmm. year and what they had been used to um, there for Pitt and you also look James Conner is no longer there uh such an inspiration i think to everybody but also just a great player 20 total touchdowns on the season and just under 1400 yards so those two guys alone are going to be really hard to replace but we take a look at Max Brown and Max Brown wasn't he he just probably was not right in the for the for the team he was not probably right on the on the right team And in the situation with Alabama being that first game out of the gate, and he he held the starting role for, what, a game and a half maybe? And it did not go his way. But hopefully, sometimes all it takes is a bit of a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. And that's what he is getting as he goes from Southern California over to Pittsburgh. And I think that this is a revitalization for him and hopefully he's able to really invigorate uh, some life into into this offense um, after they're losing these two really great guys. And it's not a reinvigoration uh, that that Pittsburgh didn't see last year. Mm-hmm. It's more of a reinvigoration that Max Brown can then say almost for himself, reinvigorating himself to be able to lead this offense the same way that it was led last year. Because when you take a look at the stats – offense, defense, special teams. What's going to really pop out to you that they were next to last in passing def- in passing defense. Mm-hmm. They were not good. They were not good defensively. That's where they really struggled. That's ultimately how they lost some of those games, especially three of those games that I had mentioned when you first started off when we first started off. You take away one or two of those touchdowns and it is a win. It is a win for Pitt, and hopefully that defense can get changed up. But I do think, I do have confidence in Max Brown this year because of the fact that he's getting a, a different mm-hmm. change of a scenery. He's getting another chance, and I think that he's got to be able to grab the bull by the horns because if it's not him, Pitt's got other guys there.
1: Well, and the one guy you didn't mention, there's a trio of people departing from this team. You mentioned Connor. You mentioned Peterman. But they're also losing their offensive coordinator as well. That's a huge piece of this offense. And now some people might look at that and go, you know what, that can be a positive. New offensive coordinator with a new quarterback coming in, they can get each other on the same page. This offensive coordinator doesn't have to worry about, well, great, I got to have someone buy into my system because they're used to the old guy. However, I'm a little bit nervous about Max Brown coming in To this year because one of the other opponents that I mentioned or forgot to mention that they did beat was a Penn State team early in the year. I know that wasn't the Penn State team that we talked about at the end of the year, but they were still a really good team. And the thing that this Pittsburgh offense was so good with last year was efficiency, especially from their quarterback in Nath Peterman. And you look at the Penn State game, three touchdowns, one INT only had 91 yards passing in that game. So with twenty with 15 attempts, 91 yards, still threw three touchdowns in that game. Connors had 117 and one touchdown in that one. And then I look at the Clemson one because that's the game where they beat the, def, uh, the, right now coming into this year, the defending national champions. Peterman, 37 attempts, throws for over 300 yards, Five touchdowns, zero in the, the INT category, a goose egg, zero INT. So if Max Brown could come in, that's the number one thing he has to do, limit turnovers. Don't let them turn the ball over because I know Max Brown has said, like, okay, like USC only got three starts there and then lost the job. He feels like he can kind of re, re put some uh, life into his career, into this, job here at Pittsburgh, but if I'm a Pittsburgh Panther fan, I'm the way I would feel is I'm nervous until I see it because you're not really giving me any confidence coming in and the schedule for Pittsburgh this year doesn't change too much. You have the same opponents that you did last year. The only one that's the big difference is Clemson's not on the schedule. You're still going to get Penn state, This one's going to be on the road this time. You get Oklahoma State. This time they're coming in. Still, those are two tough opponents back-to-back in September, both on ABC and um, Oklahoma State will be on ESPN, too. So they're going to be national um, broadcasted games. Then you still look at it. You still got to play North Carolina. You still got to play Virginia, and you still got to play Miami. The weird thing about this season is, they're all at the end of the season. It's UNC, it's Virginia Tech, it's Miami. That could that's the part that could benefit Max Brown. Because if it's uh he's not looking too good in Penn State and Oklahoma, you can look at it as, you know what? We still have if you still have confidence, you can go, we still have confidence. Let's just turn it over when the ACC start part or ACC part of our schedule starts. And you get guys like Syracuse. We've talked about them. They're not really a great team this year. They're they're a team that can go either one of two ways. North Carolina State, that might be a little bit of a tougher one from the mid to lower guys. But then Duke, Virginia, you have those games along with Rice, those games to kind of pad up that confidence before you get to the three heavy hitters at the end of your schedule.
0: So, Ricky, I think uh, one of the big keys... For them this season is is pretty simple. Uh, you don't play Louisville. Mm-hmm. You don't play Florida State. Mm-hmm. And you don't play Clemson. Bingo. You don't play any of those big teams out of the uh, at, at Atlantic, Atlantic. And that is huge for them. And it's also huge that two of those final three games against those big opponents of North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Miami, two of the three are at home. Mm-hmm. You get North Carolina and Miami at home, Virginia Tech on the road. I I think that that's a a really big thing for you, but it, it also then forces you to probably perform even better then. Okay, you get these big games, you're at home, you've got that advantage Hopefully you're able to get the win and, and I don't see them as as not being competitive in those games I see them definitely being able to stick with these teams being able to score some points and if they can get that defense cleaned up Especially in the secondary. I think that that can be successful now Pat Narduzzi what he did last year is there was a lot of um, Just kind of bringing the house at quarterbacks so they're bringing everybody they're blitzing everyone up front and mm-hmm. that's putting all the pressure then on those on, on on the guys in the secondary and if they couldn't get it done boy oh boy that was not good and if they could not get to the quarterback in time really not good so i think that if they are able to have a little bit more balance defensively in this next season i think we might be able to see Pitt. uh improve from what they did last year. Because you take a look at the the schedule. Um, Youngstown State, I'm thinking that's going to be a win. And then you can also say Rice, Syracuse, NC State, Duke, and Virginia are wins. So there's six wins. And then you've got Penn State, which will be a close game. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, we know that they don't play a ton of defense. But they still return Mason Rudolph, great quarterback in the Big 12. And they returned a pretty solid team. But again, last year, it was only a seven-point game. That was the final score. Mm -hmm. And I think that Pitt, they come out with a good game. They could get them. And then you've got North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Miami. They win one of those games, at least one of those games. You like to think that they win two. But they win at least one of those. So Pitt is, I think, again, on on the road for an eight and five, nine and four season. That's where I see them. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that Max Brown is not an upgrade from what they had uh last season at quarterback. Hard
1: to be an upgrade Peterman. from Peterman.
0: That's I, I don't see him as an upgrade. I, I, I would if I'm a fan of Pitt, I want to be able to hope that he's able to replicate those same numbers. If mm-hmm. he can do that, you're very happy. Mm-hmm. If he can get close to that, 25 touchdowns, same amount of interceptions, maybe even less, and yards about the same, 2,500, 2,600, be happy. Um, but I think that if they're, if he's able to do that, the defense gets better, I think that you can add at least another win on to Onto the record from last year and take away one of the losses now, this is a pit team that's that is really trying to hang with these with these big brother teams mm-hmm. in the coastal, and I think they 're going to do a good job well, of it
1: they 're going to
0: be competitive, but you also have to take a look there's teams that we have not talked about yet they 're all at the bottom uh, of this schedule mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina, they lose a big guy they don't
1: have the trubiscuit Virginia Tech.
0: We'll see where they're at mm-hmm. and then Miami we'll see we'll see what's going on with them no, so it's my... it, it's it's nothing that's set in stone that says those three teams I just mentioned are mm-hmm. gonna be the one two three there's nothing set in stone there absolutely not most Hit. likely the fact that we're talking about how mm-hmm. they' that they could be set in stone they will not be in any fashion it all. So uh, that's the fun part of being able to do these things mm-hmm. well before the season starts is because we take this perspective now, see what happens as we move to the actual season, and then what unfolds there.
1: Pitt, to me, is on the top of the fence, and they're just teeter-tottering back and forth this year. Like, at the beginning of the season, they're teetering. Which side do you want to be on? The bottom half of the division or the top half of the division? And to me, that there's only two big things— that play into this season. Number one, we talked about him, Max Brown. I feel like a lot in the, I feel like this year they're going to have to lean on Max Brown more than they would like to. They don't have Connor anymore. Peterman's no longer there. The defense has lost seven guys on that side of the ball. And I know that they're trying to do this whole, well, we're trying to do addition via subtraction kind of a thing, but the thing with defensively that worries me is that this team put up, had a lot of points put up on them last year. Like a lot of their wins, you're seeing like upper 30s, upper 40s kind of games. And I know you're going up against quality quarterbacks and most of them. Here's the one stat with the defense that didn't sit well with me last year. Game against North Carolina, Mitch Trubisky. Now we've said he's not... He's no longer here. He's playing right here in Chicago now for the Chicago Bears, the Bears. However, that game, five touchdowns, zero INTs, zero INTs. Go over the Oklahoma State game, Mason Rudolph, over 500 yards, two touchdowns, zero INTs. Go over to the Clemson game, Deshaun Watson, almost 600 yards. That game, that was a sloppy game from Deshaun Watson, Actually had him throw three ints and then Penn State, the McSwirls. That was his early kind of season. He was still to me getting into this kind of offense. One touchdown, one interception. You can't have guys throwing, like you can't have guys throwing no interceptions. Looking confident, going five and zero on you guys. Touchdown to int, and I know that like you said, there's a lot of pressure on that secondary. But something needs to happen. You got you to think about something that works because you can't put your secondary at such a disadvantage that then guys can go out there and just put up five, put up two touchdowns on you, and you're not getting any turnovers in that side of it as well. And that's why, because of how the defense is, I don't see them making huge strides. And I think that the success of the season comes on Max Brown. If he plays phenomenally and has a lights-out season, this team can compete because the thing that I that you mentioned, that bottom three teams, the three teams they play at the end, there's some questions. We're going to get to them. But the one that I look at the most is North Carolina. No longer have Mitch Trubisky. This could be Pittsburgh's chance to pounce there. And with an easier kind of ACC schedule, Compared to what they had last year, I think that this could be a year where they could maybe get into the top three and might be able to jump UNC, depending on the kind of year that they have. But, Brandon, before we move on, anything you think we missed with the Pittsburgh Panthers?
0: Uh, One of the things I want to mention, too, is that with Pitt, they are losing two guys on the left side of the line, Dorian Johnson and Adam Bisnawite. They are both now in the NFL One for the Cardinals, one for the Giants. And it's going to be interesting as the other three will be staying returning. Mm -hmm. But how do you fill that left side of the line? And do you feel confident with that? You know, if that's a weakness at all in the season, that could potentially uh, cause some issues. But Mm -hmm. if you're able to shore that up and be okay there, then I think that uh, you're going to be just fine. You just need to be able to make sure you got protection, especially for a new guy, Max Brown, coming in to learn this system and uh, try and make make an impact right away. So just making sure that offensive line, not only for the quarterback, for the running back as well because we've got a new guy who's going to be running there, Quadri Henderson, most likely, the guy who will get the majority of the work.
1: Well, and like I said, I am a little bit not as optimistic as some might be because Max Brown, of what he has showed us, however – there's always, there's always time to change my mind and prove me wrong this upcoming year. But we're going to turn the conversation now on to you guys, Pit fans. Let us know down below. What do you guys think about your team coming in? What kind of makes you nervous? What are you excited for in the 2017 season? Let us know down below in the comment section. And Brandon, we are now going to move over to the top three in the Coastal Division that we've talked about a lot. Ever since the Atlantic Divisional Preview, we've been like, hey, you know what? We're talking about these three teams, Virginia, North Carolina, Miami, blah, 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 blah. blah. Now we finally get into them. We're talking about the Miami Hurricanes. And I think the big question to start on is the quarterback situation because there were some people last year who were like, well, Brad Kayak could stay. He could stay for his fourth season, maybe up his draft stock, give the Hurricanes a solid option at quarterback moving forward for next year. He decides to opt out. He went to the NFL draft. Great for him. But now it puts Coach Mark Rick of the Hurricanes in a kind of weird situation in my mind. Because right now, due to Jack Allison, their only recruit from the 2016 class, leaving this spring, he's got a pick between a newcomer in Nacossi Perry, who's a raw talent, but he's an elite talent, apparently. Pick between him or a red shirt junior in Malik Rosier, but Malik Rosier has only one start, and that was 2015 against the Duke Blue Devils. Brandon, I'm putting you into the shoes of Mark Rick. I know he says he's not going to make a decision until fall camps conclude, but who would you lean on at this point to be your guy this season for the Hurricanes?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, my... Decision would be a very simple one. That's in Cassie Perry. Uh, the guy just looks good. Uh, watching some tape on him, mm-hmm. he can throw a deep ball. He can move. He can juke. I mean, you you can you can put that guy back there, and he can do a lot of things for you. A smaller Lamar Jackson type, and I think that's a, that, big, compar-
1: that's a big comparison. Comparing him to Lamar Action Jackson. I said type. Okay. okay and say Lamar okay.
0: Jackson, but. I, I said his name, but yeah. I didn't say the Lamar Jackson. Just I saying, said that's, a big,
1: that's a big comparison, but go ahead, continue. But, but he's,
0: a, he's a guy who, like Lamar Action Jackson and a number of other very mm-hmm. good quarterbacks, can do both. He is a dynamic playmaker. That's what they are called these days, when you can pass and run. And I think that that's going to make him that much better. So what we saw from, from Kaya was basically the fact that... Um, He was going to throw the football a whole heck of a lot. And if he ran, it was that way. He did not have positive (laughs) rushing (laughs) yards. But he had over 3,500 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, and only four picks. With Perry, they're going to get, I'm thinking, more like 2,700 yards through the air. And, I mean who knows, maybe he has another 1,000 on the ground. But this is a guy who I think can do both. He's definitely not a one-sided quarterback, Mm -hmm. and that may be something that Coach Mark Richt is going to be really excited about.
1: Well, and the thing that makes this, there's two things that make this decision a hard one. Besides what I said where, you know what, Brad Kiyah left, Allison left, you're stuck with these two. There's two things I look at that make it really hard. The first thing is... Rozier's only start was, like I said, two years ago against Duke. That was a Duke team that was ranked in the top 25. They were 22 at that time and 6-2 and on the season. You get a three-point win there. I believe also, you know what? That might have been the game that we had the um, the referee questions with that one on a kick return or something. I want to say that was the game where the referees got called out Um, by the ACC for missing a play that ended up giving Miami the win. But besides that point, Rosier 20 of 29, I'll take it 272 yards. I'll take it a almost a nine and a half, almost yards per average. I'll take it two touchdowns, one INT. I'll take that. And that is the thing that Rosier has that Perry doesn't hard data of this is a game where he went against college-level talent, and this is how he did. And to me, that's why I think that this decision isn't so, it's not so leaned in one direction, and it's leaned in maybe this way, maybe that way, and that's why it's going to take until fall camp to see what they Go on, Because if you go at Rosie or you're saying, well, we've seen we've seen what this guy can do stat wise and tape against college level pros. If you go at Perry, it's saying, well, we're we're betting everything on your upside that this elite talent, although being raw, is everything that it's worth. And the thing that's the tricky part about their schedule, and this is point number two, you got two cupcake games, one at home, one on the road in Bethune, Cookman and Arkansas State, but you better have that quarterback situation hammered by September 16th because you're going to Tallahassee. And if you're sitting there going, "Uh, which quarterback do we play? The Florida State Seminoles will spank you down to the ground. And that I know is one game that Hurricane fans don't want to lose. That is one game that used to be, back in the day, reserved for the last game of the season. Miami fans don't like going to Tallahassee and losing, just like Florida State fans don't like losing to Miami. So I'm looking at it where that even makes this decision even harder, Brandon. You got to have that guy settled by September 16th. Now,
0: see, you are you seem pretty content to say that, you know, this isn't just a one-sided, leaning one-way <laughs> type thing. For me it is. I mean, what have you really seen out of Malik Rossier that's making you go, you know what? Now this guy, he's 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 got something. He can he can mm-hmm. be something real special. I'm not trying to to say he's not going to be. But at the same time, and I understand. You you've been playing behind one of the best quarterbacks in, in in the league, certainly in the ACC. But at the same time, you've got this guy over here who's coming in and you know, I'm I'm just watching tape of of his of his senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. High school's so different than college. I get that, but I I think that just seeing his skills that he brings to not have that guy on the field is a crime. Because of everything that he brings, you need to get that guy like that out there. You need to get a guy like that at least reps, mm-hmm. you know, multiple reps within the season, even each game. Because ultimately, I think you're looking at this guy as being one of your next big stars, hopefully one of your next big stars on your team, and you don't want to rush it. I get that. But at the same time, the sooner that you can get him out there making an impact for your team, the better. But I also think that moving away from the quarterback position a little bit, it's Mark Walton at running back.
1: He's going to be leaned
0: on. I mean, Guy has been very good. He had a mm-hmm. great season last year, totaling 15 touchdowns overall This guy is very, very good. He will certainly be leaned on, like you said, especially with a quarterback situation where you're not sure who you're going with yet. There is going to be a whole heck of a lot of running this season, Mm -hmm. especially because of what's going on at quarterback.
1: Well, and I mean the quarterback thing, the big thing that, and this is why I'm glad Mark Rick said, hey, you know what, I'm not making a decision after camp because the only thing that worries me about Nacossi Perry is how he's going to look against college-level talent. How many times have we seen, oh, great high school quarterback comes into college, the linemen that they're going up against, the defensive side is quicker, faster, stronger, they're not as good as they were in high school that first year. Or even one step further, how many guys coming into the NFL from college have we said... That quarterback is going to be the NBT, the next best thing. That first year, not so great because the guys in the NFL that they're going up against are bigger, faster, stronger, and smarter than what they were dealing with in college. That's the only thing right now at this point that I worry about with Nicosi Perry. Because he's more raw, do we need to sit there, have him develop that elite talent, and then put him in and would putting him in right now kind of just be throwing him out there, or would it actually be doing him good and doing us good? That's the decision that has to be made, and I don't think can be made until fall camp. And, yes, the two opponents that they have, Bethune-Cookman and Arkansas State, to start the season, I think they could throw Nikosi Perry in there, and he wouldn't struggle that much because they're not Power 5 schools. However... You also have to look at that September 16th game, and I know the AD, I know the president, I know everybody in the state of Miami wants them to beat Florida State. You could win every game except for Florida State, and it could still be a bad season in the eyes of some Hurricane fans because you lost that game. How Jalen
0: Hurts do last year?
1: Jalen Hurts did pretty well. Pretty well. But that is a—here's yeah. the thing. Here's what I'll ask you. Is that more on Jalen Hurts, or more on the system that Nick Saban has put in that has put in place in Alabama? That Nick Saban can have a true freshman quarterback come in, have himself, have a guy like um, Lane Kiffin to work on. He's got the foundation laid out to where it is rock solid under that quarterback. Does Miami have the same thing? For Nacossi Perry coming in,
0: I, I think that I think that a lot of that's on Jalen Hurts it, because of the fact that Jalen Hurts, you know, comes in and I don't think that Alabama probably really wanted him to run the football mm-hmm. that much more. More risk of an injury, mm-hmm. but that's his game, that's his style. I mean, if at the end of every game. He has more rushing yards than he does passing yards, unless he only had 20 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably pretty good because he's out there probably 200 rushing yards, you know, 150 passing yards. And if he doesn't turn the football over and has three touchdowns, that's great. I think a lot of that's on Jalen Hurts. And I think a lot of that's also knowing your game, knowing your strengths, knowing when to then pull it down and just go. And I think if Perry has that, if he has that, that mental game, which it's a lot about smart. It's a lot about smarts. Sports is smarts. I think that he can really be something special for mm-hmm. Miami, and he can be the next best thing. But part of it's up to him, and then part of it's up to Mark Rick and that coaching staff for building around him to make sure that it is the right set. You don't change your system for somebody, but you give them the you tools to be yeah. successful.
1: Well, and that's why I'm glad you brought up Um, Mark Walton, because like I said, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be leaned on. He's going to be one of the tools to be successful. He's going to be the one that they lean on, kind of like last year for um, the team that Miami fans are going to hate that I'm mentioning them in a positive way in their preview, but like Florida State did or wanted to do last year, where it's like, okay, we got DeAndre Francois coming in for a Jameis Winston. How do we make him feel comfortable? Let's use Dalvin Cook a little more. Think back to that. Uh, Old Miss game, how many times did they use Delvin Cook in that game to try to get things going, and then it went bad because he fumbled the football because he couldn't hang on to it in that game. I expect Miami to do the same if Perry's the starter. Say, hey, you know what, we're going to lean on the run game a little bit more than we would because we have an inexperienced guy in there. And either way, whichever quarterback you go with, you can say they have an inexperienced guy in In there, But a good thing that I look at for this team with their schedule, I mentioned the Florida State game, which is really soon, week three for them, the third game that they play. The other good thing, though, the teams that we talked about at the top of the Coastal Division, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Pitt. Pitt's the last game of the year. And then Virginia Tech and Carolina are Halloween weekend and the week after. So you've got games before them that they're not so early in the season to where it's like, whoa, we haven't had time to get anyone acclimated before we play those two opponents.
0: Yeah, I, I, I believe I believe you're right. Um and and I think that at the end of the day we we will probably be seeing um going back to talking about the quarterback situation, we'll probably be seeing um Rossier opening up the season as the starter um with Perry you know, waiting in the wings, mm-hmm. waiting in the wings, and and uh, again, like I said, he's too talented to not find the field, uh, you know, at some point early in the season and for multiple games earlier in the season. Um, but I think that, you know, Mark Rick, he was he was able mm-hmm. to get Perry. He, a... he was able to get him. That's his guy. That's who he wanted. Mm-hmm. That's who he wants to see out there. And before long, I just think Rossier is not going to find himself as the starting quarterback.
1: And you know what is a good thing for whichever quarterback is playing this season? The defense returns seven starters. It's solid. And they had a complete turnaround last season. And I think that this year, the two things we're going to be talking about with Miami is how good their defense are and how good Walton is. Those are going to be the two foundations of this team if they want to be successful. The defense is probably going to have to carry them in games maybe early in the season because of whichever quarterback they have in there is inexperienced. I look at this defense, and this is the part of this team that I am very excited for. And kind of the big question that I have for this team overall is, now this is Mark Rick's Second year with the team. I know you're you're not going to say second year with the team that it's make or break, but could this be the season where we see Miami make enough strides this year to where a year from this date, Brandon, a year from June 18th as we're recording the end of this podcast, do we see it to where, you know what, by this time next year, Miami made enough strides in 17? that we're talking about them not even not just competing for the ACC, but as a college football playoff contender with a second-year Nikasi Perry.
0: I was just going to say, if everything lines up correctly, if Perry is there doing what I expect him to be doing, if Walton sticks around um, for his final year, and then if we can see that defense... You know, a lot, not lose too many people mm-hmm. and continue to bring in guys to solidify what right now is a very solid core. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're talking a year from now that this Miami team could be competing to win their side of the conference.
1: No, and this team is going to have to put up with, like I said, the only games that I look at for this is the Florida State one early. They lost that one by one point last year. And then every other team we mentioned, Pitt, North Carolina, and VT, they went 1-2 in those three games, losing to North Carolina and VT. They wanted to have a little bit of revenge on their mind this, this year in 2017. Before we move over to the Tar Heels, though, any other things that we didn't mention that you think we should have in this preview for the Hurricanes? I think we're good. And this is where I turn the conversation on to you, you fans, let me know what you guys think down below. I had to throw up the you for our YouTube watchers out there whenever we talk about the Hurricanes. Always got to throw up the you for you guys. Let us know down below what you guys think of your team coming into the season. And join the conversation with me and Brandon. Who would you pick as your starter? The upperclassman in Rosier who has one start? Or would you go with the young kid, Nicosi Perry? Let us know down below in the comment section. But, Brandy, we are going to move on now into the North Carolina Tar Heels. Only two teams left. And this one, we are going to get to the topic that everyone expects us to. I've mentioned it numerous times on this podcast of uh, the Trubisket no longer being in North Carolina. But before we hit the record button, you said, you know what, Ricky, there's a position that I want to talk about that might be not a little bit more prevalent, but they lose two guys that had helped them last year. That's a running back situation for North Carolina coming into this one. Losses both there and at quarterback for this offense.
0: Yeah, I mean a, a huge loss at the running back position, which I think you know could even prove to be bigger than the than the passing game. And and that's Elijah Hood and T.J. Logan. You know both of these guys they combined to have two hundred and sixty five carries on the ground for over fourteen hundred yards, eighteen combined touchdowns. These guys were a one-two punch, and they mm-hmm. were dangerous. And and Elijah Hood last year that wasn't even his best season. Uh, he had over fourteen hundred yards, I believe it was. I don't know why I'm trying to guess. I can just look at it right here. <laughs> he had over fourteen hundred yards in 2015, with 17 total touchdowns by himself. And I think that uh, you know the loss of both of these guys to the NFL is is really going to hurt. And I think that that's what's going to impact them more than Mitch Trubisky. I truly mm-hmm. do. And you look at the one of the guys who could be in the mix for that, uh, that running back spot. That's Jordan Brown. Last year he had 20 carries for 45 yards and one touchdown. That equates out to 2.9 yards a carry. Elijah Hood and TJ Logan combined for over five. I think that that... You know, Mitch Trubisky's spot is huge. The quarterback position is always big, but I think because you're kind of coming into a new season Mm -hmm. where you lose that star quarterback, you then look to lean on the running game. You can't do that here. And I think that's what's going to hurt North Carolina, even to the point, Ricky, where they may not be one of the top three.
1: Well, and that's the thing for me. I kind of mentioned it. I want to say it was either in the pit or the... Miami one, I think I was in the um, pit part of our preview, but if there is any team in this top three of the Coastal that I could see dropping down into four or below, it's the Tar Heels this year. And it's not just because of what they are losing at the running back spot, but it's also they lose Trubisket, they lose wide receivers. Like right now, the only wide receiver that looks to be their main starter is Austin Pearl, the son of Ricky Pearl, who is on that coaching staff. You may remember him from the greatest show on turf with the St. Louis Rams back in the day with Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. Guy knows a thing or two about uh, catching the football and has a pretty good football son who's right now the number one wide receiver when you look at their depth chart. And the good thing for them coming in is they've got a guy in Brandon Harris, who right now is the favorite to win that quarterback job, the graduate transfer from LSU, he's a guy that it's like, okay, we like I am solid with him being a starter. I'm not as questioning as like a true freshman coming in because I know it's more like I compare it to the Max Brown situation, but a little bit more confident in Brandon Harris than I am in Max Brown. I'm not saying Harris doesn't have to prove anything, Brandon. I'm just saying that the loss at quarterback might not be, the gap might not be as great as running back and wide receiver than quarterback.
0: Brandon's Brandon Harris's best season came in 2015, where he had over 2,100 yards, this is just through the year, mm-hmm. 13 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. That was his best LSU year. Mm-hmm. In 2014... He had one game started, had 452 yards, six touchdowns, two picks. And then in 2016, two games, two started, 139
1: yards, one touchdown,
0: and two picks. Brandon Harris does not scream, ooh, yay, to me.
1: No, and this uh, this team, we talked about schedule and most of the previews when it comes to offense and defense. Um, I'm going to say it right now. North Carolina starts 0-2 starts the season. They're two home games, but... I don't think they win against Cal. Yes, I know Cal. We're going to get to them later in a Pac-12 preview. They don't have Davis Webb. However, I still don't feel confident in this North Carolina team beating them. And then September 9th, I'm going to say right now, North Carolina doesn't have a chance against Louisville. I don't care how many defensive guys that Louisville lost on the other side, they still have Lamar Action Jackson. And I don't think that week two of the season that this offense is going to have enough firepower to keep up with Louisville and Lamar Jackson. Now the good thing is that's only one ACC loss. Another good thing is you don't have the Virginia Tech Miami Pit games until October 21st to November 9th, bam, 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 right in a row, away, home, away. However, I just this is a team that I look at those first two games and with no no running backs from last year, the receivers take a hit. Brandon Harris is now your starting quarterback cuz Mitch Trubisky's playing for the Chicago Bears. This is a team I look at that schedule and I go oh, and 2 to start, oh, and 2 to start the season.
0: I I, I think that uh, they're they're in for for a uh, what's going to be I think an up and down season mm-hmm. for them. And I think that it will be it's it's, it's almost one of those rebuilding years that you didn't want to have. Um and, uh, well, no one ever really wants to be in a rebuild, but it really hurts when you lose your star quarterback, and in the same year you lose not only one star running back, but two, and then in the same year you lose your best wide receiver and three more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't do you a whole lot of good on the offensive side of the football. But I, I think for, for North Carolina, one thing that they – really need to focus on I think is being able to establish a ground game especially with Brandon Harris coming in at quarterback that guy what he can do is he can run the football around a little bit so I think that him being able to work with that side of things is going to be important for him to be able to do that effectively is going to be important um, because I'm not sold on how well of a passer he's going to be Mm -hmm. I haven't been sold on how good of a passer he is um, when, but over...
1: Especially when Austin Prohl is right now the only main target that off-season wise we're looking like that's your main target.
0: Right now it's looking like it's only you and him is yeah, the only guys it. on offense. Mm-hmm. Then you return, I think, three starters on the offensive line, and they you get... lose your center, you lose your tackle. I mean, you.
1: The thing though with the offensive line, I want to add is they do um, return some key guys. However, they add two grad transfers in. Um, Cam Dillard from Florida and uh, Khalil Rogers from USC. So those guys could make the offensive line could be the best unit on the offense, which is weird because most of the previews we've talked to up to this point has been like, well, that offensive line could be a little bit shaky this year. Might not be the case for the Tar Heels.
0: I just I think that this is this is the team that we're looking at right now, Ricky, and we I think we mentioned it mm-hmm. too. Of all the teams that we will talk about. In the upper echelon from last season, Mm -hmm. this team has the biggest hump to get over and can make the biggest step back out of any one of them.
1: This could be the year they got to lean a lot on their defense, and their defense even takes a big hit as well as Gene Chizik, who was their defensive coordinator. He had to leave because of um, family reasons, so he resigned from that they have a new coordinator coming in who's um former linebacker coach um for them the scheme's going to stay the same but still I look at that and go you're still losing your defensive coordinator having a guy step up into a new role and this defense yeah they've made improvements the last two seasons but now because of the losses on offense they may be asked to improve yet again and maybe even carry this team for the deficiencies that they have on offense.
0: Ricky, how many times, this is a quiz for you, how mm-hmm. many times did North Carolina pick off a pass last year? How many times?
1: I'm going to go at two. <laughs> Very close. Zero? One. Oh, okay. That was my, my other guess was zero. North
0: Carolina's secondary mm-hmm. picked off one pass all of last year good. against Citadel.
1: But... No bueno, no bueno.
0: They are having some guys come into place... And they've returned some guys from last year Mm -hmm. that I think they're going to have more than one interception. And you're right. Everything you just said, it's completely correct. They need to be able to be better. They have to be the ones that are going to help carry this team in a couple of their games this year. They're going to have to do it Mm -hmm. because we've looked at the offense. It's not there to be able to keep up in a game where there's a shootout, so they're gonna have the whole team's down. So there's not one.
1: There's three questions here that I'm looking at for the Athlon Sports preview for the Tar Heels, and they hit they they hit the hand or the nail right on the head. The first one is, can there be enough playmakers on offense? Number two, can the graduate transfers provide a big lift immediately? And number three, can the defense become an asset instead of a liability? My answer to those, no. I don't think there's going to be enough playmakers this season. I'm going to say right now maybe the transfers It all. Like Brandon Harris is a big one to me. Brandon Harris and the two on the offensive line coming in. And then my one for the defense are going to have to be because if the defense becomes a liability and can't turn the ball over and get opportunities back To the offense, this Tar Heel team might be looking at, and I'll eyeball their schedule five, six losses this year. Imagine that if they went from a team that was eight and five, five and three in the conference, one game away from going to the ACC championship game, all the way to a team that like, what, seven and six now? Seven and six, eight, like, staying eight and five, but an eight and five where you have one, two, three, four, maybe even five, at, like, all of your losses coming within the conference and, like, just having, if we look on last year's um, standings, yeah, you're looking and going, oh, five and three in the conference, they were second, uh-huh, but if they get five, That means they would drop to the bottom three teams in the Coastal. That's what two games could make in this division. Could be the difference between second in the conference and bottom three in the Coastal side of the ACC.
0: I'll be honest with you. I don't think it has anything to do with the games. It has the players playing in them. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the players playing in those games because those players are not going to be named Mitch Trubisky. It's not going to be Hood. It's not going to be any of those guys. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. I don't care if you go out there and play against, you know, Clemson every day. If you don't have the guys to be able to win, you ain't going to win. I mean, it's simple as that. I know I'm, I just, I, I basically should have just called myself Charles Barkley on that one. Because if you <laughs> if you don't win, you don't win. You know, that. I mean, that's kind of how it sounds. You got to
1: score points to win the game. Boom!
0: I I, I think that at at the end of the day, though, that's that's the biggest thing Mm -hmm. is that North Carolina just needs to go out into every single one of these games and just try and be competitive. And now maybe they've got some guys waiting in the wings in in the receiver position that, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be, oh, wow, where'd they come from? They're really good. And and. And maybe some of the guys that that we saw there last year, like a Jordan Brown who only had 20 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown on the season, maybe he comes out in a bigger workload. He's going to be able to do well. He's going to be able to shine and perform. Maybe the freshman they've got coming in is going to be able to make an impact Mm -hmm. right away. There's a lot of questions. And that's why I think this North Carolina team is one of those teams where you look at them and you go, "Uh, I'm really not sure. That's when a guy like you, who does a show like this can go down and go, mm, could be a loss, could be a loss, could be a loss. I see five losses. You know, that's that's just what we do. But this right now for North Carolina I don't think is a spot they necessarily want to be in, but this is a spot where they look at what they've got, they see how they need to build it, and next year, they're set. They know what they need to go get in a recruiting class. Mm-hmm. They know what they need. Well, th- th- and- that's, that's what this year is going to help them do. And and maybe, you know what, if it's not Brandon Harris, he's going to be the key player. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the key player for this team because how is he going to be able to do? Coming, from an, L- from, a big program coming from an LSU mm-hmm. team in the SEC over to a ACC team in North Carolina, a team that was on the rise. Mitch Trubisky, if he would have just stayed another year, I think he prematurely came out, but that's up to him. Totally get it. Um, but I think that Brandon Harris... However, if he does not get it done, there are guys behind him who I don't think Larry Fedora would hesitate to go to them and give them the job because at the same time, I think he'd like to be able to win some games and not lose them all.
1: Here's a question I've got. If they do poor this season, let's say 6-7 and or below poor, do we start calling for or do Tar Heel fans – begin the light chatter of calling for Fedora's head.
0: Tar Heel fans well, of Meaning course.
1: the let's get him out of town. Because I look at this team since he took over. 2012, I'm going to say, is a throwaway season only because they were not eligible for the ACC title game that year. So, yes, it was a good season wins and loss-wise, but you couldn't play in the ACC um, title game, so we can't really go off of postseason-wise for you. But this is a team in the last four seasons... 1 and 3 in their bowl games. They've been to the ACC Title Game only once, would have been twice if they were eligible in 2012. They lost that game to Clemson. Yeah, really exciting game, but they still lost that game to Clemson. That was their 11 and 3, their only season where they had more than 8 wins in a year. And I kind of wonder we've had I can't remember which team we had this for this question for in this conference. I think it was someone in the Atlantic, but even if they go six and seven, seven and six, do Tar Heel fans look and go, we've reached our cap with Fedora. We need to get that guy who's going to get us over the hump, especially if the recruiting class for next year is not solid, is not one that makes Tar Heel fans go, yes, we can build off of that class.
0: I think that's the biggest thing is we know how this year's going to go, mm-hmm. not how they want it to. Um, at least I'm pretty convinced of that with seeing what we've got to work with what they've got to work mm-hmm. with. I think that you're right. you hit the nail on the head again um with the fact that you've got to look and see what the recruits are gonna look like coming in for next year. Now, if they look really good, you've got some promising guys. I'd say, hey, you know what? we gotta give them a chance. We gotta see this through. Mm-hmm. But if it goes through and you know you got some guys not really making that big of an impact for you doesn't really look like it's moving along like they'd like it to out on out on the field every year there seems to be some pretty good head coaches that come available you may want to go after one of them
1: and there is one big name i throw out there right now who uh you can always pull around for enough money Les Miles is out there. You can go you can go give him a big contract. See if he just throw the line out there. See if the fish will come on and take a little nibble so that you can pull it and reel it in. But like you said, there are coaches. Brian Kelly might be available after the season. Who knows?
0: Les Miles right now, Ricky, this is an interesting question. I <laughs> want to talk about this for just a second. Okay. I'm gonna just ask you this question. For it a doesn't, hot second. doesn't have to do with with uh um with North, North Carolina. Carolina. And it's Les Miles, he's been out of uh, head, head coaching with football for just a little bit now. And I'm surprised that no one has picked him up yet. Mm-hmm. Is he like the Bill Cower, where Bill Cower, he left and then the, he was rumored to some jobs, didn't take any, and joined a nice, uh, you know, on air spot with NFL today in the morning? And he. Is not taking anything. He's done in coaching. Do you think that's what happens to Les Miles, or do you think he gets another job?
1: I think he'll get another job. I think Les Miles right now is he has built up enough of a living, and now he can use his kind of where he's at to do the analyst gig, kind of like Chip Kelly, waiting for that perfect job, waiting for it. I'm going to get the analyst gig. I'm going to do that, make some money but then I'm going to go ahead and wait for it. And the one that I think is pie-in-the-sky perfect for him during his playing career, played at Michigan in the 70s, let's be honest, Harbaugh's not going to be there forever. An NFL job is going to start chirping sooner or later that they want Harbaugh, and Harbaugh will be back in the NFL before we know it. When that Michigan job opens, Les Miles is the first one they call. Or Les Miles calls them one of the two. That'd be the perfect one. bringing in a Michigan guy who's won in the SEC. Because, I mean, you look at what Ohio State did, bring in an SEC coach, they become successful because that kind of football, that mentality does well no matter what conference you're into. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. That might be a, you might look at it and go, Ricky's trying to be the smartest guy in the room here. But that's what I look at. He's a guy that doesn't have to take the next available job. He can sit there and let the right job come to him. That's where he is in his kind of situation. But this is where we're going to turn it on to you guys for the Tar Heel part of the conversation. Let us know what you guys think about the Tar Heels entering this season. How's the offense going to be? Can the defense hold form while the offense figures things out? Let us know down below in the comment section. And, Brandon, it is time to not only end our coastal preview, but end our entire ACC preview for 2017 coming into the season. And last but not least, the Virginia Tech Hokies. And, Brandon, this one's easy. They've got quite a few losses that they have to kind of get fixed and kind of fill holes. But the main question I want to start with here with the Hokies is they are a team that won the division last year. Do you see this repeating itself this year, or is this another team like the Tar Heels that we could see take a step back in 2017?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think that this is a team that I would, if by looking at everything, if you're not looking at any other team in your conference, you look at everything and you look at the losses and you go, no, they're not going to repeat. They're mm-hmm. going to take a step backwards. But then when you also look that one of their strongest points on offense is going to be their offensive line, and then knowing, too, what North Carolina is losing, the questions that Miami has, maybe we do see Pitt at the top of this, of, of this division because of the fact of all these losses that some of these teams at the top are having mm-hmm. and it being at the quarterback position but another thing here for Virginia Tech is that they still do return one of their running backs Trayvon McMillan guy who did not get enough work last year and they openly came out and said that they said we did not get him enough reps mm-hmm. we did not get him enough carries we relied too much on Gerard Evans and Gerard Evans now is working To find a home in the NFL. Which was,
1: you even mentioned before we recorded, it it was so weird to see, like, you expected, okay, Evans will be back next year. What? He's He's going to the NFL?
0: Yeah.
1: Who's going to draft him? And then he went undrafted.
0: He went undrafted, and he was with the Eagles for a little bit, got Uh injured, and then they just were clearing that up, so now he's no longer on the Eagles, but if he wants to be on the Eagles again, he can be, but he's got to go through some process, blah, 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 doesn't matter anymore, but... I think that the loss of him is bad, is, is big. Uh, it's 29 touchdowns mm-hmm. and 8 interceptions through the air, and then he added on 12 more on the ground. Um, but I think that you get a running game, a steady diet of the running game going, and that's going to help whichever quarterback is going to end up starting here for the Hokies. But at the end of the day, really, I would not be surprised If this team does take a step back and they do not win the Atlantic.
1: Well, and the reason why, the the reason why I could see this team taking a step back has nothing to do with the quarterback situation. It has to do with the playmakers around him, because right now, Coach Fuente, he, he has a decision to make. He can either go with a guy that many are assuming will be the starter this year in redshirt freshman, Josh Jackson, because um as i'm reading from Athlon Sports that Fuentes likes um his that he displayed maturity and decision making beyond his age in his first year on campus or they can go with AJ Bush who's a transfer a junior redshirt transfer from Iowa Western Community College so that's going to be the battle this fall is will you go with the redshirt freshman or do you go with the new incoming transfer but like I mentioned, players around him—they don't have a ton of playmakers. The one that they do have is Cam Phillips, who returns and could finish with the, um, could finish his career as the all-time leading receiver for the Hokies. But after that, there's a talent drop-off, and they've got Eric Kuma and um, Phil Patterson are uh, the next two guys below him. That is a huge drop-off in talent. And I feel like this team this year might be a, yeah, jo- man, Josh Jackson did good, but man, if we just had a little bit more weapons for him, think about what he could do, which this team, that might be their, their road this season in recruiting. It might be, yeah, we got Josh Jackson. Let's go out and recruiting and get him some weapons. Let's get him some firepower to go to because that's what we really need. Cause Not only do they have the talent drop-off this year, at the end of this year, that Cam Phillips guy that I mentioned, yeah, he's gone at the end of the year. This is his last year with the Hokies. So that's going to be the big thing is can they overcome the lack of playmakers on offense.
0: Well, I think one of the big things is, again, with this team is also the fact that uh, the only team that you're playing from the Atlantic, the big team, is Clemson. There is no Florida State, there is Mm -hmm. no Louisville, so you don't have to deal with either of those two teams. And then a lot of the games, too, you get to um, play, a lot of the bigger games, you get to play them at home. Clemson is at home. North Carolina is at home. Miami and Georgia Tech, those are on the road. Pitt is at home. So I think that that, too, that schedule, that home-away split really works out in favor for you while you're at home.
1: Even like West Virginia, you, you yes, yeah. it's a neutral site, but you don't get to play them at West Virginia. You get them in a neutral site to start the year. That could be a tough game, though, for them, non-conference-wise. Exactly,
0: but I think that you look at the first four to five games, and I think that Virginia Tech still, even with kind of where they are right now, um, I, I won't say floundering because that offensive line is going to be pretty darn good. Um, I, I think that uh, there's just there's some question marks there, but I think they could be win four out of their first five games. They beat Delaware, East Carolina, mm-hmm. and Old Dominion for sure. I think they have a chance to beat West Virginia, and then that Clemson game. That's not the Clemson game a year ago. It's not. It's a new game. No more it's, Deshaun Watson. No no Deshaun Watson. No and Gallman, no, no, No Williams. No, Ger- no Gerard Evans on the uh-huh. other side for Virginia Tech. So that game's game up in the air. I think yep. you beat Boston College. North Carolina. I think you beat North Carolina. i give it to VT right now. Duke. You beat Duke. Uh-huh.
1: Miami. That's interesting. That's on the road. Miami, I think that Miami wins. That's on the road, and that is, we talked about Nikasi Perry. That could be a time of the year where he starts clicking if he's got a few starts under his belt.
0: But then, Ricky, how about this one? Georgia Tech and Pitt. Right now, if, if you were to ask me, who do you think wins both of these games? I'd say Georgia Tech, and I'd say
1: Pitt. See, I'd go the opposite. I would go Miami. I'd go Miami right now. Georgia Tech, I would go with... Virginia Tech and Pitt. I would say a coin toss. And the only reason I can't get the only reason I can't give a winner or a loser for the pick game is because I think it would be a disservice of me to say oh VT is going to win that game without seeing how Max Brown is doing in that Pittsburgh offense.
0: Well, Ricky, it's a disservice to everybody by us just then saying I, I think so and so might win. I think so and so, but. When I say saying, Virginia
1: Tech, we're, we're, we're I just, would go with Virginia Tech. There you go. Now, you're, now you're being
0: a man and actually giving an answer. <laughs> I, I think that ultimately, in mm-hmm. it, when you look at this, it is fair to be able to go up and down and say, after, especially after the teams that we've looked at, the teams that we've mm-hmm. already looked at by going through this whole ACC conference and looking at all these teams and where we think that they're at and who they've lost and who they've gained and where they're at, I don't think it's unfair to go through and say, I think that one team over another looks better right now. I, I just Virginia tech. They really, they're not where North Carolina is, but they're closish. where you still have a lot of those question marks.
1: Yeah. And I think this year, the big thing, it's very similar to other teams that we've talked about in this conference. The reason why I am not super nervous about Virginia tech heading into this year, their defense, Bud Foster's defense is going to have experience at the linebacker and secondary. His defenses usually do better when he has that experience on that side of the field. So the defense is going to be strong. And to be honest, I'd rather be a Virginia Tech fan right now than North Carolina, than Pitt, because we talked about North Carolina, we talked about Pitt and Max Brown, Brandon Harris, although they are transfers, We have questions about them. Me more so with Max Brown, you more so with Brandon Harris. Josh Jackson, yeah, he's a redshirt freshman, but let's be honest. We said the same thing about DeAndre Francois with the Florida State Seminoles. And, of course, different quarterback, but if Fuente likes his maturity and what he's displaying, that could be solid for this team. I think the quarterback's not the issue It's the playmaking around him and who's he's going to throw the ball to, much similar to what Brandon Harris might have to do if he picks things up for North Carolina.
0: And I think in a lot of these previews, especially with the ones where the quarterback situation has come into question Mm -hmm. of who's going to be the true starter, who's going to be the solid starter, and I think right now we have to go on the assumption of we're not sure and we don't know how they're going to produce. It's, and it's, I it all comes and, down and, to fall camp. And I, and I think that that's pretty fair, though, mm-hmm. is the fact that why? How can we give a good representation of a club and say, "Yeah, they're going to be great"? Because we're assuming that quarterback's he's going to be outstanding. Mm-hmm. How can we? How can we say that then? Even with Perry in Miami, I think he's going to be very good, but I don't think he's going to be the guy who's going to be starting right away. Yeah, quickly, but not right away. I think that that's where you have to, have to temper the expectations right now mm-hmm. with a chance to be able to build them up and say, "Okay." Now we've seen a couple of games. We've seen a good sample size of what this quarterback's been able to do. We've seen mm-hmm. Jackson in action, and now we know we think Virginia Tech can win it again, or I don't know, they may be in the middle of the pack. So I think that that's really important to point out, too, is that we're not trying to, to downgrade any of these quarterbacks mm-hmm. that, we, that we really don't know a whole lot about. We don't know how they're going to perform, but it's more temper the expectation
1: well, for now. And that's why I waited until this point because I wanted to get through every team before I brought this up for the Virginia Tech kind of preview, was because of what we talked about, especially here in the Coastal, I feel like this this ACC conference, it's either Louisville's or Florida State's to lose. Mainly because you look at the Coastal, you look at the teams that we've talked about. Pitt, ooh, they got Max Brown coming in. How's he going to perform this year? Miami, ooh, they could be starting a raw, true freshman this year. I know Jalen Hurts did it, but still, you get kind of a little nervous when you hear the words raw and true freshman, a guy that needs to develop a little bit. We look at North Carolina, Brandon Harris, he's got to prove himself. Not as much maybe as Max Brown, but he's got to prove himself. And then you look at Virginia Tech where it's like, yeah, we got a redshirt freshman coming in. Yeah, I know Florida State did the same thing, but Florida State had a lot more playmakers last year around DeAndre Francois, something that Virginia Tech may not have this year. So I look at this, and even if Virginia Tech wins the Coastal, I have a hard time seeing them, and this is where a season's got to play out too. Like you said, we could say whatever we want right now, but the players got to take the field, the players got to play, and then the games become final. That's how football works. However, at the end of the season, What I am visualizing is even if Virginia Tech wins their side of the division, I think it's Louisville or Florida State's conference to lose. Those are the two top. Those are the two favorites in my mind, and Virginia Tech, if they played either of those in a title game, would be the underdog. I'm not saying they'd get blown out, but they would be the underdog in that game.
0: I think you're right. I think that that's uh, based on... Talent based on the returning guys that they mm-hmm. have based on their quarterbacks that's that's what it seems to be these days is quarterbacks and who is anchoring that most position Im-
1: most important position Th- on the team that is
0: so important, even if you have a really good running back mm-hmm. as miami does just to give it kind of bring it back to this side of the conference that we're talking about right now. Miami has a very good running back. What's going to happen at quarterback? Running back cannot do it all, but they mm-hmm. can certainly help. But then you look at those two teams that you mentioned. You've got Lamar Jackson, and you've got DeAndre Francois, two guys that have gotten it done, will continue to get it done. And I think you're completely right. I think that if they're going up against any other team, right now it looks like they would probably I'd, I'd have them as the favorite the clear favorite, and the winner. I think that with Virginia Tech, though, is that they have last year, and they look at last year, and they remember last year. They improve a little bit on that, and they win a couple of those games that they narrowly lost, and they still win the games even that they narrowly won. This team can be in the same spot that it was last year, which is not a bad thing because based on what everyone else looks to be doing, that should then be enough to get them... Uh, the the win in the, in the Coastal.
1: Yeah, the only teams they lost to last season, Tennessee, who surprisingly blew them out. I didn't think Tennessee was that good of a team overall last year. They lost to Syracuse on the road, then Georgia Tech and obviously Clemson later in the year in the ACC title game. This is a team that is my favorite to win the Coastal side. However, I feel like the true... ACC title game, the one that will decide who wins the conference, will come between when Louisville and Florida State play. Whoever wins that game will most likely win the ACC and will maybe represent their side in the college football playoff. But before I end this podcast, before we end everything, any last thoughts, anything we missed from the Hokies?
0: Uh, A final thing I want to say on them is that last year, defense's They held uh, opposing teams to a third down conversion percentage of 27% on third Mm -hmm. down. That's something that's really impressive. They keep up numbers like that. They keep those numbers low. They get those offenses off the field, get their offense back on the field that's going to be something really important as well. Defense this year for a lot of these teams, especially on the coastal side of things, is going to be important to have a strong defense. We've seen a lot where it's, if you can have a strong defense, you've got a good offensive line. If they can keep that quarterback upright, if they can find some holes for the running back, that can be a good balance. Defense could win that ACC this year. It may not all be offense.
1: Well, and that is going to do it for our Coastal preview, but not a, not just that for our ACC preview. We have been through it all, and this is where you guys come in, let us know, especially Hokey fans on YouTube, let us know down below what you guys think of your team heading into this season. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Primetime Podcast today. Another thing, we got a few questions about it last week with our um, Atlantic preview Swanee's Final Thoughts ain't going anywhere. We're just taking a hiatus with the Swanee's Final Thoughts while we're doing this whole preview thing because, as you guys saw, if you're listening on Block Talk Radio, they're going to be really long podcasts. So Brandon and Swanee's Final Thoughts will return after we finish the previews towards the beginning of the college football season. But I want to thank you guys for checking out the podcast today, make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. And if you're on Blog Talk Radio, hit that follow button. If you want to help the channel more so than doing that, check out patreon.com backslash mostvaluablepodcast. I want to thank you one more time for listening and watching. And as always, have a good day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.